Today we're looking in the book of Philippians chapter number 2. The book of Philippians chapter number 2 this morning. Going to begin reading with verse number 19. We'll read down and include verse number 24. The writing of the Apostle Paul to the church of Philippi. He says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. The title of my message today is Every Paul Needs a Timothy. Father, I thank you for the word of God today. God, I just pray today that the word will resonate within the heart and the life of your people this morning. God, I pray, Lord, for a special anointing, Father, to rest upon the message and upon the messenger. God, I pray that you once again will give us ears upon our heart. Father, may we not just hear with our ears, but, Lord, may we hear with our heart today. God, I just pray that your perfect will will be done in this place. All for the glory of God we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated. This morning, I believe that every Paul needs a Timothy, someone to pour their life into, someone to mentor, to teach, to train, to influence in a positive way. And this morning, I want to give you five reasons why I believe that every Paul needs a Timothy. And for the first reason this morning is because every Paul needs a Timothy to rely on, to rely on. Now, we understand that the Apostle Paul was in prison at the time of his writing the book of Philippians. Who could he trust to carry on the works that he himself had begun? Who who had the same kind of heart that that he had? Who who could understand him and, and... and what he and his ministry was all about. Who, who, who had his drive? Who had his energy? Who, who had the determination that he had? For Paul, there was really only one of his associates that met all of the criteria. And there was much more criteria that must be met. And there was only one that met all of the criteria. A young man, he was mentoring by the name of Timothy. Paul knew that he could rely on Timothy. And I I want to suggest four reasons why the Apostle Paul could indeed rely on this young man named Timothy. First of all, it was because of his ability. His ability, verse number 19, Paul writes and he says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. But I also may be encouraged when I know your state. I believe that it's pretty evident that the Apostle Paul had confidence in the ability of this young man named Timothy. 
We understand that the church of Philippi was a a church that Paul had planted. It was near. It was dear to his heart. He, he, He had invested much blood, sweat, and tears in this church. And he would not send someone to that church that he did not have confidence in that he could indeed do the job. Let me suggest this morning that when you are picking a Timothy, uh, you need to look for somebody that has some ability, uh, somebody that has some potential, someone so, so that you do not waste your time and you do not waste your effort as you pour your life into them. Second reason why Paul, I believe, could rely upon Timothy was because of his allegiance. His allegiance, verse number 20, Paul says, I I have no one like-minded who who will sincerely care for your state. Timothy was loyal. He was sincere. He was like-minded. He he shared the same type of heart that Paul had. May I suggest this morning when choosing your Timothy, and by the way, you need to choose your Timothy. And when choosing your Timothy, you need to choose somebody, oh, that has impeccable character. You need to choose someone you can trust. Choose someone who appreciates the knowledge and the wisdom that you are going to pour into them. Choose someone that you can depend on not to waste the wisdom and the knowledge that you invest in them. Another reason I believe the Apostle Paul could rely upon Timothy was was because of his achievements. His achievements. Verse number 22, Paul writes and he says, but you know. He said, you know his proven character. You know that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Paul writes to the leaders of this church. And he tells them, he says, you have seen, you have seen firsthand. You've seen Timothy work side by side with me. In ministry, you have seen that he has a proven track record. He has some success under his belt. He has some experience. He already has some achievements. Paul could rely on Timothy not only because of his ability, not only because of his allegiance, not only because of his achievements, but also because of his actions. Verse 22 again, but you know his proven character. Somebody said actions speak louder than words. In reality, our actions reveal the truth about our words. I want to say that again this morning. In reality, our actions reveal the truth about our words. Because, you see, our actions reveal who we truly are. What's on the inside will eventually spill out onto the outside through the words that we speak. Let me ask you this this morning. Let me, let me ask you this. If I have a pitcher of tea in my hand, a, picture, a pitcher of tea, can you see the pitcher of tea? How many of you can, can you see the pitcher of tea? No, you can't. There's no picture of tea up here. If I had a picture of tea in my hand and somebody knocked the picture out of my hand, 
Let me ask you this. Will water spill out of the pitcher of tea? It won't. Will lemonade spill out of the pitcher of tea? Why not? Because, because it was a pitcher of tea, right? Because tea was what was on the inside of the pitcher. And so because tea was on the inside of the pitcher, when it spilled over, it was tea that came out. We can say anything we want to say. We can use any words that we want to say. But listen, friend, when we really open our mouth, amen, what is really on the inside of us, what is really on, in our heart is going to come out through our mouth. Jesus said it like this in Mark 7, verse 21 through 23. Jesus said, from within. Jesus said, out of, the, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, greed, wickedness, pride, on and on and on and on. Paul could rely upon Timmy because his actions proved he was a man of integrity. A man, oh, worthy of being mentored by someone of the caliber of the Apostle Paul. Let me suggest this morning and encourage you that when choosing a Timothy to mentor, look for somebody that you can rely on. Look for somebody whose actions prove them worthy of all of the time and all of the effort that it's going to take to mentor them. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Why? Why? Because there will come a time when you're going to need somebody. There's going to come a time in your life when you're going to need someone to rely on. There's going to, come, there's going to come a time when you're going to need somebody to trust. You're going to need someone that will have your back. There's going to come a time when you're going to need someone to carry on the work that you have started. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Why? Number two, to build a relationship with. To build a relationship with. Verse 22 Paul writes, and he says, as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul writes, and he says to Timothy, a beloved son. The relationship that Paul and Timothy enjoyed went much, much deeper than that of just co-workers. Paul and Timothy were more like father and son. There was much love. There was much affection between them. There, there was a sincere bond that had developed between these two. I believe that Scripture teaches mentoring. I believe that it pleases God when an older person mentors a younger person. When a seasoned veteran Mentors a rookie. I believe that fathers should be mentoring their sons. I believe that mothers should be mentoring their daughters. Titus chapter 2 verse 4 says, Older women must train younger women. Some of you older women think, Well, you know, my job is done and I can just fold my hands and relax now and let somebody else carry the load. Well, there are some things that you cannot carry anymore, but actually your job as an older woman, is to find some younger woman and to mentor them, to pour into them the things that you know. And in verse 6 through 8, it implies that older men should also do the same with younger men. 
Here's what I've learned. The young can learn from the old. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 29, the Bible says that the glory of the young is their strength. And the gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. I love to play golf with a young, strong, better golfer than me. And I usually beat him. I usually beat him. I've been in several golf tournaments where they paired me with a 20, 21, 22, 25-year-old. Much younger, much stronger, much better. Guess who won? They are young, they're strong, they possess more skill, they have better technique than I have. They hit their drive 50 yards past me. They're way up there waiting on me. Looking back saying, when's that old guy going to make it up here with me? They're better than I am. And yet often I still beat them. And they can't stand it. I'll never forget my son and I were paired up with a couple, uh, another couple at a missions golf tournament. And this young man hit the ball 50 yards past me. He was strong. He was agile. He had a great swing. He had all of those things that I don't have. Yes, he won. They are better. I'm more experienced. They're young, and they're full of emotion. Their highs are off the charts, man. I mean, they hit 300 yards down the, down the middle, and, man, they're taking bows, man. You know, they're looking for the camera. Got their swagger on, man. Here I am in my little 200, 210, 215-yard drive behind them. I'm just coming along by. They're lows. Oh, they're lows. Oh, so low. I'm playing golf, I, especially when I'm playing someone young and strong and much better than me, I keep my emotions in check. I know, I, I already know before I ever tee off, I know I'm going to hit some bad shots. I, I, I know it's coming, it's just going to happen, that's just the nature of the game. I know I'm going to hit some bad shots, I know I'm going to have a couple of bad holes. I don't know if it's going to happen early, middle, or late, but it's going to happen somewhere. I'm going to have a couple of bad holes, I just know it. But I also know that golf is 18 holes. It's not one hole. It's not two holes. It's not three holes. It's 18 holes. And I know, I know that that young buck, I know he's going to have a bad shot. He's going to put one out of bounds. He's going to put one in the weeds and he's going to make him mad. And he's going to fire up. His emotions are going to be crazy. And it's going to cause him to fall apart. He's going to get angry. It'll take him two or three holes to get over it. And meanwhile, I'm like a little chihuahua. <laughs> nip, 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 nip. I'm just 
just nipping at his heels. I'm nip, 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 nipping at. My son told me that day we were playing. Said, Dad, you're just like a little chihuahua. You're just nipping at his heels. Nip, 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 nip. Here I am. Nip, nip, nip along. But at the end of the round, I'm going to beat him by a stroke or two strokes. The glory of the young is their strength. Nothing but raw talent. Oh, nothing but brute force. Oh, the gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Why? To build a relationship with because the young can learn from the old. They can learn learn what works and what doesn't work. They can learn what to do and what not to do. They can learn how to act and how to react. But here's something else I've learned. I've learned that the old can learn from the young. Hey, Caleb's, listen up. If you want to know something about your iPhone, ask your grandkid. (laughs) The old can learn from the young. In order to remain relevant... And by the way, the only way that you're going to succeed in today's world is if you remain relevant. And in order to remain relevant, one must have relationships with younger people. Because the world is changing. And technology is changing so rapidly that what you buy today will be outdated tomorrow. Here's what I've come to know, and that is every Paul needs a Timothy. And every Timothy needs a Paul. Because the young can learn from the old, and the old can learn from the young. Let me give you another reason why every Paul needs a Timothy, and that is to represent you. Verse number 23, Paul writes, and he says, I hope to send him at once. Paul was in prison. He could not go. He needed someone to go in his place. He needed someone to represent him. And he needed someone that had his heart. He needed someone who had his same love and affection for them. He needed someone to tell them the very same thing that he would tell them if he were able to be there to tell them himself. See, we can only be in one place at a time. Unless... Say unless. We can only be in one place at a time unless, unless we mentor someone to duplicate us. See, see, there can only be one Paul. But there can be a whole bunch of little Timothys running out there that look and act and sound like they're Paul. Notice yet another reason why every Paul needs a Timothy, and that is to reproduce you. To reproduce you. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 says, Teach what I have taught you. Teach it to others who can likewise teach these very same truths to others. And in chapter 3 and verse number 10, he says, But you, Timothy, you certainly know what I teach. You know how I live. You know what my purpose in life is. You know my faith. You know my patience. You know my love. You know my endurance. Verse 14. 
So you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. John Maxwell says, true success produces a successor. True success produces a successor. You see, somebody that is truly successful in life pours his or her knowledge and wisdom into quality people so that their knowledge and their wisdom can be reproduced many times over through all of the little Timmies that are running around possessing the wisdom and the knowledge that has been deposited in them by their Paul. Now, I'm a Paul today. But I haven't always been a Paul. There was a time when I was a Timothy. And I remember when I was a young Timothy. And when I was a young Timothy, I was a sponge. I didn't receive a lot of formal training in ministry. I went to the school of hard knocks. And when you start pastoring at the age of 17, by the way, I would not recommend that. But I didn't have a lot of formal training. And I, I had to find me some Pauls. I had to find me some older men in the ministry. And when I was a Timothy, I was like a sponge, man, a sponge. And I, hang, I hung around some Pauls. First of all, I didn't, couldn't find anybody in full-time ministry my age. I was the only one dumb enough to try it. So I hung around some Pauls, and there have been several Pauls in my life. As I look down through my life, I can, I can mention about five men that were strategically placed in my life by God. And I learned something specific from every single one of these men. They were Pauls, and as a Timothy, I was like a sponge that I would just soak it all up. And I soaked up all the wisdom and all the knowledge and all the teaching and all the nurturing. And all of the instruction that I could from my Paul at the time. When I would go to a minister's meeting, I, I've told you this, but I would discover that, 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 the, that the big shot preacher for the, for, for the conference, uh, you know, they were whining and dining for lunch and for, and, and for dinner, but no one was doing anything about breakfast. And so I would offer to buy breakfast for these great men of God. And you know what I found out? I found out there's not a preacher anywhere that will turn down a free meal. And so I take these great preachers, all oh, great leaders of our movement and great uh, pastors of great churches, I would take them for breakfast and I would buy their breakfast. And while they were eating, I would ask them questions and I would ask them things and I would, I would ask them to speak into my life. And like a sponge, I would sponge it all in. Soak it all in. I'll never forget some of the older preachers that I had for meetings back when I was a Timothy. I'm thinking of one in particular. We had several uh, uh, teaching. He was a great teacher, and I had him for, for many seminars about marriage and finances and, and parenting and these kinds of seminars. But listen, I'm going to tell you something that was even more important uh, than the two hours we spent in teaching every single night. It was the two, three, four hours after church around our table as my wife would fix him uh, a snack or fix them a meal after the service and they would come and we would spend hours upon hours upon hours we were young Timothys they were Pauls and we would just let them just mentor us and let them speak into our hearts 
That man today is 90 years old. He was supposed to be uh, celebrating 70 years of ministry this weekend, but it had to be canceled because he was sick. I will call him today and tell him he made the sermon this morning. And much of the things that I teach today about marriage and much of the things that I teach about finances, oh, much of that came from this man and this woman. They were my Paul. They were my Paul. And we would just, like a sponge, we would soak it up. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Every Timothy needs a Paul. Because we were once Timothys, Soaking up everything we could from our Paul. Now, as a Paul, we should repay out of a debt of gratitude by mentoring some of our own Timothys. And in so doing, we will reproduce ourselves. Oh, what we value, what we treasure, what we feel so important will not only survive, it will multiply through the Timmies, oh, that are running around all over the place that we were willing to pour our life into. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul writes to Timothy. And Paul says to young Timothy, he says, I remember your genuine faith. He said, for you share the faith. Notice, he said, the faith that first was found in your grandmother. Then it was found in your mother. And now it can be found in you. You know what this tells me? It tells me that Paul was evidently not the first mentor that Timothy had in his life. See, it's not that we will be the only Paul that a young Timothy will have, but there is something unique in us that our Timothy that we have in our life presently needs at this particular time in their life. Like I said a moment ago, I could bring, tell you three, four, five men, but they were at different decades in my life, different times in my life, and each one had a different emphasis, and each one, amen, had something different and unique to impart to me. It was what I needed at the time, and it is what has made me who I am today. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Last reason to replace you. Second Timothy chapter four, verse six through nine. Paul writes and he says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God, and the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize, he writes, is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Timothy, please come to me as soon as you can. See, truth of the matter is no one lives forever. Everyone will eventually die. But just because you die, that doesn't mean that that who you really were has to die. Your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, your accomplishments can live on, can live on, can live on through others that you have mentored. 
others who now think like you thought. Oh, who now value what you valued. Oh, whose dreams are similar to your dreams. Every Paul needs a Timothy because every Paul will one day die. And unless he has mentored some Timothys, his hopes, his dreams, his values will die In verse number 9 that I just read, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, Please come to see me as soon as you can. I don't know this morning, but perhaps. Perhaps there were some things Paul wanted to say to Timothy that were just too personal to put in a letter. I don't know this morning, but perhaps Paul had some things to say to Timothy, oh, oh, that were meant for his, his ears and his ears only. Oh, can you, can you hear the urgency in Paul's words here? Oh, Timothy, he says, Timothy, he writes, please, please come to me as soon as you can. Oh, there's still something I have to say. There's still something I have to teach you. Oh, there's still something I want to impart to you before I die. Oh, get here, get here as quickly as you possibly can. Our takeaway For today is, who is your Timothy? Do you have a Timothy? Are you willing to allow whatever is unique to you, whatever it is that is special about you, are you you willing to allow this to die when you die? Who is your Timothy? It could be a son, it could be a daughter, it could be a grandchild. It could be a neighbor, it could be a friend, it could be a friend's child, it could be a co-worker, it could be somebody you meet at church, it could be somebody in your care ministry group. I've had more than one Timothy. But I have a very special Timothy in my life right now that God sent to me six years ago. In just a few weeks it'll be six years. Pastor Steve is one of my Timothys. Every single thing that I have preached today as it related to Paul and Timothy also applies to me and Pastor Steve. He is someone that I can rely on. He's loyal. He's like-minded. He's trustworthy. We've developed an incredible relationship. It's more like father and son than lead pastor and staff member. He represents me well. He has my heart. He has my passion for people. He has my vision for missions. He reproduces my values, my teachings. Even as he was doing his part of the service this morning, I heard myself. As he prayed you would be, you that had a need of a job would find it in in line with your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. When Pastor Chad was here last year, I believe it was last year for our missions convention. and, and No, I think it was at our opening day. He was here for opening day. and After church, as we were eating together, he said, when Pastor Steve was up there, Dad said, I saw a whole lot of you and him heard a lot. Some of the expressions that he, 
some of the words that he used, the phrases that he used. He produces my values, my teachings, my dreams. And when I die someday, hopefully not for another 30 years or so, <laughs> my hopes and my dreams and my core values will live on through him and those that he will mentor. Today I must announce that Pastor Steve and his precious wife Priscilla and their two gorgeous children are about to embark on a new adventure. Their role is about to change. In a sense, they're not really leaving us, but they are. Really, they're simply changing locations and changing roles. They will become the very first step in the grace place moving from success to significance. In July of this year, Pastor Steve and Priscilla will move to New York City. I really think that is support, Pastor Steve, not, yeah, he's leaving, all right? In July of this year, Pastor Steve and Priscilla will move to New York City, and they will become the founding pastors of the Grace Place, New York. They will become an extension of us as we partner with them to plant the Grace Place in New York City. Right before I walked up here, I asked my wife, do I really have to do this? Pastor Steve will tell you that at least three or more times I said, are you sure? You can change your mind. And you still can. I am both excited and sad at the same time. I'm so excited as the grace place continues to grow. You hear me talk about it all the time. We're much bigger than what you see on Sunday morning. 455 people last Sunday morning. That's amazing. That's record-breaking for this church. And you know what? 500 is in view. And we ain't stopping there. But I tell you about all over the world, because we've invested in ministers and missions and ministries, the Grace Place is a huge church. And now... New York City, the grace place, New York. In a few weeks, I I will give you an opportunity to help them financially as we partner together to plant this new church. An extension of us. More than once, because I I know how it works, because I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. 
And this has been an ongoing process for me and him for several months now. And I've said, Steve, the closer it gets, the harder it's going to be for you. Your heart's going to be more over there than it is here. And he keeps telling me, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving the grace place. I am the grace place. Taking the grace place with me. I'm going to be an extension of your ministry. I'm going to be an extension of the church. So, so I'm not going to coast the next few months. I'm going to work my tail off. Amen? And, and, and leave, leave my ministry here as great as it ever was. It's going to be on the top shelf when I walk out. Because I'm not leaving. I'm just becoming an extension of your ministry and of this church. Pastor Steve, Timmy, would you come and address this congregation this morning? Thank you. Um, This is uh, bittersweet for uh, Priscilla and I. bitter because we're going to leave a place that we love, a church that we love, a youth group that we love, a staff that we love. You know, there have been a lot of firsts here in Arlington for us. This was our first youth pastor's position. We celebrated our first anniversary here. We bought our first home here. We had both of our children here this is home to us and although we're going somewhere else this will always have a special place in our heart we'll always carry the grace place in our heart we'll always carry the the mission statement caring people caring for people in our heart everywhere we go and although it's going to be sad to say goodbye to so many people that we love. We're excited about this opportunity to plant a church in New York in New York City. We're excited about this open door of, of ministry that, that God has opened for us. And like Pastor said, we're going to be moving to New York in July. <clears throat> Doing a work in New York City has been a dream of ours for a very long time. When Priscilla and I were in Bible school, we were not even dating. We were just friends. I think she had the hots for me, but we, we weren't a, an item yet. We, we took a missions trip there in 2003, and both of us, both of us during that time there, we spent about a week there. We both got burdened and put something in our hearts to do a work there at some point in our lives. We didn't know when. We didn't know how. We didn't know what this would look like. We didn't know if it, we had just 
you know, New York City is a romantic city. It's big. It's, you know, we didn't know if we had just kind of had feelings and emotions about it. But since 2003 on, we've, it's always been in our heart. It had never left our heart. And, and, you know, as you know, New York City, it's the most populated city in the United States with over 8 million people. Yet it is one of the most unreached cities in not only America, but in all the world. A Barna research study showed that New York City had the eighth largest share of unchurched adults, meaning that they hadn't been to a religious service in six months or longer among 85 major cities in the U.S., New York City is considered the ninth most post-Christian city in America, which simply means that it doesn't adhere to the Christian worldview. There are five boroughs that make up New York City, and Priscilla and I and our family, we feel drawn to Manhattan where downtown is. And so that's the plan of where we're going to be moving to in July. When when we were hired six years ago to be youth pastors of what was then New Bethel, God spoke to me near the right when I got hired, really, and it was weird to me as to why he said that. But he said there was going to be a transition in your ministry and in your life in five years. And so last year I started praying and I started seeking God about what that transition would be. I didn't know if it was going to be moving into a different position here at the Grace Place or something else. And as I prayed... <coughs> Excuse me. As I sought the Lord, as Priscilla and I talked, as I talked with Pastor Benson, we were convinced that planting a church in New York City was what this transition was supposed to be. And I've told Pastor this several times throughout this process, and he mentioned it just a moment ago, but I'm not a I, I'm not just a pastor, I'm not just a staff member resigning from the Grace Place. Uh, I, I feel like I'm a son moving on to college. That's how I feel. I I, I don't feel like I'm leaving, and so it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be an issue of of giving my all when I'm here or the the remaining months that I have here. It's not going to be an issue of me pouring in to to my students and to my sponsors and to to the people of this church for the time I'm going to be here because I'm, I'm, I'm just a son. I'm a son being sent by my Timothy to New York. I'm a son being sent by my Heavenly Father to New York as an extension uh, of the work that was started here. Pastor Benson, you're a spiritual father to me, and I'm eternally grateful for the time I've had with you over the last six years of you mentoring me, of you believing in me, of uh, you pouring into my life. He has been more than a boss, more than a pastor. He has been a spiritual father to me, and when I say spiritual father, I don't say that lightly. I've had bad experiences with spiritual fathers. And, 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 and as, soon as, I, as soon as I came on staff here, pastor and my heart has clicked. And that hasn't wavered over the last six years. And he has imparted many things to me. He's imparted how to love people. He's imparted how to, how to correct people without destroying their confidence. How to... How to be straightforward yet diplomatic. He's taught me how to work hard. He, he's taught me how to love on people. He's taught me many, many, many things. And, and the statement is so true. Every Paul needs a Timothy, but every Timothy needs a Paul. And Pastor Benson has been my Paul for the last six years. And our hearts are, 
are connected to one another. And, and, and that doesn't happen very often, but it's happened with Pastor and I. And so uh, I am so excited that Pastor is going to be an integral part of the Grace Place New York. He's going he's, he's to still be my Paul. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been a lead pastor. He's been a lead pastor for 42 years. I've never been one. So I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm walking by faith. I'm just doing what I feel that God has called my family and I to do. And so I'm going to lean heavily on pastor. And so I'm excited about this opportunity. I love Pastor Benson. I love Miss Dawn. I love our staff. I love the Grace Place. I love my youth group. And and I'm, I'm excited about this new chapter of our lives, this new opportunity that God has placed in our lives. I want the fingerprints of the Grace Place to be all over New York City. I promise pastor. There's another phrase I got from him. I promise pastor that we were going to build a missions giving and a missions sending church. I promised him that and that's what we're going to do because that that is something he's imparted into me. And you are a part of my extended family, and I want you to be a part of planting this church with us as well. You may not come with us, but you can pray for us. You can definitely give us some money. And you can take, you can visit us while we're there. You can take missions. Where'd you learn that at? I learned that from him, for sure. For sure. You can take missions trips up there. You can visit us. We, we want you to be a part of what we're doing. We want you to be a part of this dream. It's not separate from the grace place. It is the grace place. These are exciting times for the grace place, and my family and I feel honored to be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you. Priscilla, would you join me this morning? If I could have my staff join me this morning. The deacons that are here this morning, I know at least one is on the road, so but if you're one of my deacons, if you'll come as well, we're here this morning. I can say a lot more this morning, but there's no need. They're not leaving tomorrow. We'll have an entire service that will be built around the Grace Place, New York, in a couple of months, so we'll reserve that for then. I think that we need to pray for them this morning because we all love you very, very much. And uh, just uh, incredible. I've had several pe- people through the last few years say, somebody's going to steal him out from under you, Pastor. Somebody's going to get he's t- He's too good. They're go- somebody's going to get him. Somebody's going to get him. And that would have been okay, too, if that would have been the Lord's will. But this is so much easier. It's not easy, but it's so much easier because, because you're not trading us for somebody else, but you're just taking, helping us go to the next level. And you are the very first step in our church moving from success to significance. That's awesome. That's incredible. Amen. Would you extend your hand toward them? And let's pray for them this morning. Father, we just lift up 
Pastor Steve and Priscilla today. Father, we are so grateful and thankful, Lord, for the nearly six years, God, that you've given them to us. Father, what an asset. What a blessing they have been to us, God. Thank you, Lord, for their love. Thank you for their loyalty. Thank you, Father, for their teachability as they've been willing to be taught. Lord, they've made some changes in their life. And I thank you for it. They've been willing to be mentored. They've been willing to be teachable, both of them. And we thank you for it, Father. Thank you for what they bring uh, to us, Father, what they bring to our church. And thank you, God, that that they're not really leaving us, but, Lord, they're just an, an extension of who we are. And, God, we just pray that you will help them, Lord, in the next few weeks and a couple of months ahead, God. God, we pray that you'll work on both ends of the line. First of all, God, we just pray, Lord, that you will open doors. Lord, in New York, Lord, God, I pray that you will even right now, Lord, begin to align circumstances and situations and relationships, Lord, that will absolutely just fall into place. And we will be, we will, we will be, our, our mind will just, we'll just be, wow, this is awesome, this is incredible, but you've gone before us and you've paved the way for us, God. I pray you'll put resources in their hands. I pray that you'll put people in their lives, Lord, that can, can teach them what we're unable to teach them. God, I pray that you will help them as they transition, Lord. I pray that you will help them, Lord, as they share this with their kids on Wednesday night and with their workers. And many of them are here, but many of them are not this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll work on the other end of the line as well. Because, God, as I've been praying now for weeks, for weeks, for weeks, God, there's another young couple out there somewhere, Lord, somewhere, Lord, that is ready, Lord, to take up where they leave off. And, Lord, I pray, and I continue to pray that you will You'll begin to stir the nest of that young couple, wherever they are, whoever they are. And God, make them known to us and reveal them to us, God. And Lord, when they come, let us know, God, yes, you're in this and you're working in every area and every end of the line. God, we just love you and we praise you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.